this this week, I really, I've been spending some time with the Lord and just asking him what's on in his heart. And um, when Darren was here about a week or two ago, about two weeks ago, me and Darren were talking about about the winds of heaven. And and uh, he began to remind me, the Lord began to remind me of, of an encounter I had with an angel called winds of heaven, winds of change. And as I was uh, just thinking about it, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that for some time. And I just kind of was pondering that. And he began to just bring all kinds of uh, remembrance to me. So this morning, what, I'm, uh, what I want to talk about, I'm calling it Spread Your Wings and Fly. And I'm gonna go, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey until I get to the actual part about, about the, the encounter and all that. But what I want us to do is uh, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, have your way. I thank you for your presence, God. Lord, whatever word is not of you, Lord, let it fall to the ground today. Oh, Lord, every word that you have, God, let it pierce hearts, Lord. I thank you for those that are watching online, God, and I just speak right now a tangible, transferable anointing to be released through media, those that watch us later. Father, we just thank you, God, for hearts that will be touched. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, boy. I feel like it's going to be one of those. Just hold on a minute. I just feel the love of the Lord. Just, let's just not, let's just breathe them in. Come on. We don't got to, I don't even have to, I don't have to even talk. I don't even need to minister, really. Father, we just breathe you in. <laughs> your goodness, God, your joy, your peace, Lord. Your presence, God. Right now, Father. Joy, joy, joy. <laughs> Thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so good. We're going to look at the life of David this morning. Oh, man. Um, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 16. Can we turn to 1 Samuel 16? Holy Ghost. <laughs> Here we're going to find uh, David being the youngest of his family. We're going to find him becoming the chosen one by God. 
We will see him being anointed by God to be king. And then later we're going to see where he becomes king. We're going to start on verse 11. And I'm going to read to verse 16. <clears throat> and then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and he was handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there amongst his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought anoint and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David on that day. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. <clears throat> so in this, in this passage, we see one thing. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't clearly give a picture on, on how old David was when he was anointed to be king. It doesn't give a precise age, but it does, the Bible does show that he was between possibly the ages 10 and maybe 13. Give or take a couple, I, we don't know. 10 to 13, okay? And, and, and he's coming, Samuel the prophet comes to anoint him as king. This says one thing to us, okay? It says that age is not, a, it, it, age is not important. You know, I, I've been places all over as we travel, and we'll pray for people, and, and sometimes we'll give a prophetic word, or I'll release a word about destiny and purpose, and I see ministry and missions, and immediately people begin to disqualify the word because, like, oh, I'm too old for that. Man, I'm 60 years old. How is that possible? Or, 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 we, or, or even, a, even your child. Man, listen, two-year-old little boys, three-year-old little boys, powerful. I see rabbit trails. I gotta stay on track. But they're powerful. There is no such thing as a baby Holy Spirit. No such thing as a baby Holy Spirit. So he was about ten to thirteen years old. We see in in First Samuel seventeen, David slays the giant. Let's turn to let's let's let's, let's read there for a minute. Let's go to Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17. Oh, Lord. 17, 13 to 15. Sorry, guys. I gotta... 17. And we're going to read at a... On starting on verse 32. See, the Bible it doesn't say exactly how old David was when he fought the giant. It's not clear. So we know he was anointed between 11 and 13, maybe 10 to 13. But the Bible kind of gives indication that when, when, when he fought Goliath, 
he was approximately between 17, maybe 16 to 19, because he refers to him as a youth. So we want to say between 16 and 19, okay? I just want to give a picture. In verse 32, it says, Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I had been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If there's an animal that turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and the club to club it to death. I had done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to the pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. Come on. Whoo. The faith that David had, it right? Now, mind you, David is a, I mean, a Goliath is, he's a giant. He's a giant in the land. So the giant, if we, if we read, um, oh gosh, I believe it's in, in, if we read later on in Samuel, it talks about the, the Amicalites. And we see this even with Joshua and the generation of the, of the giants. They were, they would grow to be as, as, as high as the cedars. And the cedar tree average is about 32 feet tall. I know, that's crazy. That's what the Bible, that's what the Word says. But ju- So in, in, in retrospect, Dave, I mean, Goliath, was he was like a small giant. Because it says he was between, was it 9 or, thir- nine or 13 feet? I believe it was 9 feet tall. 9 feet tall. 9 feet tall. That's huge. Nine feet tall. <clears throat> Where was I? Okay. And here we go. We have we have little old David ready to go and battle this giant. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, <clears throat> he said. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave him his own armor a bronze helmet and a coat of, of, uh, of mail. David put it on and strapped a sword over it and took one step or two to see, and it was like he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off, and he picked up five smooth stones and a stream and put them into the shepherd's bag. Then he armed himself with the shepherd's staff and a sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy body-faced boy. I am a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick and curse David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you the flesh to, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals Goliath yelled David replied to the Philistine You come to me with your sword spear and javelin but I come to you in the name of the Lord heaven's army the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled 
Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies to your men, to the birds and the wild animals, that the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. <clears throat> now, it's just like the enemy. We see, we see Goliath here provoking. We see him coming against David. He, we, he, he, he's, he's bringing the accusation. He's coming against him. He's trying to create fear, right? We go to verse 48, and it says, As Goliath moved closer to the attack, David quickly ran to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling, hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from the sheath. David used it to kill him and to cut off his head. Holy Ghost. <clears throat> We're going to go somewhere with that. Just remember these thoughts. <clears throat> Holy Ghost, thank you, Father. So he was 17 to 19 when this happened. We see in 1 Samuel 18, King Saul becomes jealous and he becomes angry because of David. So we're, we're, what I'm doing is we're going through just a, 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 an order of his life. So 1 Samuel 18 says this, verses 5 through 9. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war. He appointed him that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victories of the Israelite armies came returning home after David's had killing the Philistines, Women from all around the town of Israel came out to meet King Saul, and they sang and they danced for joy. They had tambourines and cymbals, and this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David for ten thousands and me for only a thousands? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. <clears throat> Jealousy, there's a spirit. That's a spirit. Jealousy is a spirit. Not only is it a spirit, but it's a murdering spirit. It's a murderous spirit. It'll cause you to do things and this is what sat upon Saul a murderous jealous spirit in first Samuel chapter 19 Saul orders to kill David in first Samuel chapter 20 we see David goes and he hides in the fields and I, I encourage you to go read all this go and read this. 
But in 20, chapter 20, David goes and he runs and he hides in the fields. He, he's hiding because he's fearful. But he also has honor in this. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, David runs, and it says that he runs between 7 to 10 years. He's running. That's a long time to run from somebody. I mean, I, I can't imagine. You know, I remember, you know, growing up, I was involved in some, some bad things, and everywhere I went, I had to watch my back. I would only eat in the corner. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't go out at a certain time. Because I knew there were people trying to take my life. And I lived that way for a long time. But seven to ten years, that's, a, that's crazy. Then in chapter Samuel chapter 2, um, 2 Samuel chapter 2, we see David now anointed again and positioned as king. Now, I say all that to say this. Because, see, a lot of us are a lot like David. We really are. Just like David, you have been chosen by God. You and I are chosen by God. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what yesterday looks like. It doesn't matter what your todays look like. You are not disqualified from the very things that God has for you right now. Right now. Jesus. And, I mean, you know, when you get marked by heaven, there's nowhere you can go. I remember growing up as a young boy. I was involved in the Royal Rangers. I was involved in, I went to the youth class. I was, I was in it. I knew every, I was super duper. I knew the word of the Lord. And then I got so disgusted by church because of the, the hypocrisy that I saw from leadership and people around me. And I said, man, if this is what God, your church looks like, I don't want nothing to do with it. If this is what it looks like to be a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. But I knew the things of God. I knew the Lord. I, I had seen the angelic. I had seen the demonic. I had seen the power, the glory, the good, the bad. I had seen it all. And I was marked by heaven. I was marked. And even in my rebellious times where I said, God, I don't want nothing to do with you. I'm done with you. He chased me. And I went through some things in my life, man. I really did. And for those who know my story, I had to go through some things. But nowhere I would go could I run from the things, could I run from God. <clears throat> your walk, your ministry is not dependent on your works. <clears throat> And just like David, you are called to be an overcomer. Listen, we're called to be overcomers. When the enemy comes with a lie, when he comes to, to attack, you are called to overcome. 
But the natural person would want to just like, oh. That's our emotion. Listen, I'm being transparent with you guys. I don't got it all together. I don't. I'll speak. I'll speak it the way the Lord tells me to say it. But there's days that I have bad days. Two weeks ago, I had a horrible day. I think I said a bad word. I repented. I know, listen, I, I got to say, we got some religious ones watching. I repented. It's good. The blood of Jesus covers me. His mercy's on you every morning. Shaka bam, Holy Ghost. But I had a bad week or a bad day. <laughs> But there's nothing that we will do, nowhere we can go that God does not know. We're called to be overcomers. We're called because everyone in this room is a champion. You are a champion for God. You need to hear this. You are a champion. You are qualified. You are blessed. You are highly favored. And just like David, there is no giant that can stand against you with God by your side. No giant. See, giants come in different forms. doesn't always have to be a nine-foot guy with a sword. It could be addictions. It could be relationships. It could be hurts. It can be wounds. You know, sometimes it's hard to get over things that happen. That can be a giant. And sometimes we just say, God, Lord, I need your help, Lord. Please, God. And you can slay that giant because you're an overcomer. And just like David, there's going to be times in our lives where it feels like the walls are caving in. It just feels like everything around you is crumbling. I've been in that season too where you look around and everywhere I look, Lord, what's going on around me? It feels like the walls are caving in. And if and, and, and because of that, the enemy will come and say, why don't you just give up? Just give up. Throw in the towel. You don't need to do all that. There's times of great hurt, just like David. You know, David, he honored Saul. And everything that he did, he honored him. And because of the jealous rage that Saul had towards him, he wanted to kill David to the point that 
he, he would lie. I don't know, y'all probably know the story where, you know, his, he, he tells David, listen, I'm going to let you marry my daughter. Marry my daughter. And, and all you got to do is go kill so many Philistines. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I mean, we want to read that. It's in, I believe it's in 32. Or, but, but go and, and, and kill the Philistines. And when you come back, you can have my hands, my daughter's hand in marriage. So David gets excited because he wants to marry his daughter because it's an honor. But meanwhile, Saul is saying, listen, this is an opportunity for me to send the guy out to get killed. So Saul's plotting the, the death of David while David's getting ready to get married. So David goes, does the job, kills him, comes back alive, only to find out that he gave his daughter's hand to somebody else. Pretty devastated, I'm sure. So then he offers David again. Well, I have another daughter. You can marry this daughter. And still, Saul wants him dead. And until the very, very end, Saul, I mean, uh, until the very, very end, you see David honoring Saul. And then he ran, and you see David going into the cave. He goes into the cave, and they're still kind of hiding. Then they find out, Saul finds out where, where kind of location where David's at. Then David's, he finds out Saul's coming. So David comes out of the cave. He's going to go. We know the story. He gets into the, tank, the, 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 the camp. He goes into the camp, takes the jug, takes his, the spear, and he gives him mercy. And what I thought was really, really beautiful about that part was when he's in there, when David's inside the, the, the tent with Saul, he says, the, the, the guy that's with David says, him, would, you know, I should just read it. But he's like, one thrust to the chest will end it. We could finish it. And David responds to him. He says, do not touch him. He is anointed by God. And I thought, man, be a hunter. I said, this man's been trying to kill him. He's chased him down for seven or ten years chasing David. And David has the opportunity and even probably reason and he tells him, do not touch him, because he is anointed by God. You talk about reverence, and you talk about the fear of the Lord, but you talk about honor. Honor. Jesus. Just like David, even during times of deep betrayal, and even times of persecution, and just like David, we found ourselves running. We run and we want to hide in the fields desperately in need of rest in the safe place. 
Just like David when he was hiding in the fields. He's hiding in the fields, waiting for a good, good report from, from Jonathan. That Saul's going to allow him to come back into the camp. Only to find out King Saul goes crazy and even almost tries to kill Jonathan. Jealous rage, murderous rage. That he would even do that to his own son. This is what I heard the Lord say. And I share that because many of us have been in a, in a season, many of us have been in a battle, many of us have been in a place where we just need the rest of the Lord. The resting of the Lord. And I heard the Lord say, He is calling us out of our caves and into the nest. And into the nest. He said, your cave seasons have been for a time of maturing and a time of healing and growing. Boy, I've been in that season of maturing and growing. Because in your maturing stages, sometimes the Lord will show us when to be quiet, when to speak. And that's the hardest thing to do. Oh, gosh. It's so hard. But it's, a, it's the maturing stages for us to grow. Because when we begin to mature, we learn how to respond. We know how to respond in the times of the cave. When the saws are after us. Because, see, listen, it's not this, this whole thing about saws. It's just a picture. It's, it's what it means. Here in our everyday life, how do we respond when things come after you? How do you respond when the attacks of the darts of the enemy come to come and destroy? Kill, steal, and destroy. How do we respond? The way I respond today is not the same way I responded 20 years ago. I promise you. The way I respond tomorrow won't be the same way I respond last week because we grow. As we transition higher, the winds begin to change. I don't know if you've ever gone on a mountain. Have you ever climbed a mountain or been when you're all on the top of a mountain? But the winds are. Or have you ever been on top of a building? And you're on the balcony of the building. You can feel the winds. Because the higher you go, the more the winds begin to move and shift. Because the higher you go, the less distractions there are, right? Hey, Peter, can I get you to come on out? This past week, what I kept hearing was, the winds of heaven are blowing our direction. The winds of heaven are blowing our direction. 
And I really feel like the Lord is about to shift some things for us today. And I'm even, just even as I prophesy this, when I was in Pennsylvania, I had that encounter with the angel. How many of y'all heard the encounter that I shared about the angel Menara? Three people. Okay, so y'all won't really understand this. I had an encounter with this angel. And if you don't believe, I'm so sorry you don't believe. But they're real. That's all I can say. They're real. And I pray that your eyes will be open. But I was having a really, really bad day. I mean, I was having a horrible day. I was on the road. I was ministering on the road. I was in somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't know where I was at. I was in Kansas City. Kansas City. (laughs) And when I was in Kansas City, it was Kansas City, right? That's Kansas. Um, so I was having a bad day. I mean, like, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. You name it. Like, it was a horrible, horrible day. And I was tired. I was done. I said, I'm finished. I had that day, right? So we pulled over to go to a hotel. And uh, I'm going to go in and get the room. I go inside the room, the the place, and I pay for the hotel. We go, we get our room, we go lay down. It's already late, tired, we're sleeping. So I get in bed, and maybe about an hour into us being uh, being laying down already, already changed and you know already in the pajamas. The phone rings from the 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 hotel room. So it rings, and I'm like, "Hello," because you know it's all front desk. It's not like a house. Like, hello? Yeah. Say, Mr. Garza, I need you to come to the front office. There's been a problem with your payment. I said, "Uh uh-uh. No. So I I go to my my app for my bank, and I go to my Wells Fargo, and I look, and I said, no, you got your payment. I see the numbers. You took it out. Well, there was a problem with it. We didn't get the money, so I need you to come and correct it, because if you don't come and correct it, you're going to have to check out today. So just to add to my bad day, right? Like it just, are you serious? And I, man, I was mad. So I put my shoes on. Them. Oh, my God. Get, I'm, I'm being honest. I go down there. And I'm like, Yes. Now, mind you, I wasn't in the glory. I wasn't on ministry mode. As a matter of fact, yeah, I'm just being honest. And I'm even praying like, Lord, let there be nobody from the church I'm about to preach at. Because I want to say something. And I'm telling, and I said, you know, ma'am, I said, I'm tired. I've been on the road. You got your money. Look, here's the bank statements. You showed. You paid it. They said, well, I, I see what it says, yes, but we didn't get the money. 
you either have to pay again or you have to check out. And I said, I'm not going to pay you. I don't, because, see, as a traveling minister, we go out and people give offerings and they bless us. So we know how much money we have, to, the, the ability to put gas and eat the meal and to get to the next state or wherever we're going. And I knew I didn't have the money to pay again. So I, so I, I'm, and I'm, really, I'm really bothered now at this point. I'm angry. So I refuse to pay. So I go and I sit down in this little chair in the back watching the front desk and there's a side door and I, and then I sit down and I say, you know, let me just think about this for a moment. So I get down and I sit down and I'm, mind you, I'm wearing a shirt and, and a Harley Davidson t-shirt and, and I'm, I'm, I'm living rough, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh. I'm praying and I'm mad and I'm angry. And I look, all of a sudden, right next to me, there's a big glass window. I kind of like that window, but there's all glass and there's a door. I see the tree begin to go. Now, it's not raining. It's not cold outside. It's just a normal day. And, and then before I know it, the whole wind is picking up like a storm came in out of nowhere. And the trees are now there. And I'm looking, what is going on outside? And I'm watching, and then I, I hear the, the door slam open because somebody came in, and the door flew open and hit the wall, and as it came in, all the wind came in with a bunch of leaves and all kinds of dirt. And, and this person comes in, and they say, oh, my, there's a storm a-brewing. And I'm thinking in my mind, duh. Like, yeah, I mean, because, see, I'm not thinking nothing. <laughs> it's funny now. And then she, it, it was a, like a female, she comes in. It's a storm brewing, and all the stuff comes un underneath, and and she doesn't even say nothing to the people in the front desk. I'm sitting over here. She just comes and says, you know, she comes straight to me, and she says, how you doing? And I'm like, what? Like, who are you? Like, what do you, what do you want? Because, see, I'm still mad about what these people are trying to do to me. And she says, how are you doing today? And I'm like, well, I'm all right. And then uh, uh, I'm going to try to remember the whole conversation. She tells me, um, oh, she says, you ride a motorcycle? And then in my mind is like thinking, really? Like, you want to talk to me about my motorcycle? I don't even know who you are. And then I'm thinking, well, duh, I'm wearing a Harley Davidson t-shirt. So, yeah, I ride. And then, and then she tells me, I ride too. 
She said, but mine, it goes real fast. I said, okay. And I'm still just trying to process all this with her. And then she said, but, but my bike has the place where somebody can go with me. They can ride, you know. And I'm thinking, well, she must not know what she's talking about because, like, most motorcycles have that. It's just like a two-seater, you know. So I could take somebody wherever I go. And this, it did, by this point, I'm like thinking, get away from me, lady. I'm, I'm being honest. Because I was in a bad mood. I was, I, I was just so bothered. And then she says, uh, uh, what's your name? So she starts asking me my name. And now at this point, I'm thinking, you know what, ma'am? I'm, I'm thinking in my head. I didn't say this out loud. So I'm not going to tell you my name. I don't even know who you are. For all I know, you're some wacko person is what I'm thinking. And now, uh, so I just, but something in me was like, tell her your name. So I'm like, my name's Pete. She says, Nice to meet you, Pete. My name is Monara. So Monara, thinking nothing about it. I said, "Nice to meet you, Monara." And then she says, uh, "Wow." She said, "What did she tell me?" She says, "Oh, what's your birthday?" She asked me for my birthday, and that moment I was like, "No, you ain't gonna get my birthday." You're not going to get my birthday. I don't even know you. No way. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And I tell her my birthday. And I kid you not. She goes like, it's like, it's like her driver's license or an ID manifested in her hand. She said, I, so I tell her my birthday. She goes, me too. And then she shows me the ID. And I look at her ID. And it was the exact same birthday as my birthday. And I'm freaking out now. I'm like, dude, this is weird. But I'm still not all understanding what's happening around me. And then she says this. She said, last time I was here, I had to ring the bell. I had to ring the bell to get your attention, to get their attention, I'm sorry. And I'm thinking, well, there's that little bell that you ding, 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 you know. You should go ring the bell. Go ahead. I'm still not getting it. And then she says, and today... I want to ring the bell. So then as she's, by this time, I'm, I'm realizing there's something going on supernatural. The winds are still blowing. And then having this conversation with this lady, she still hasn't spoken to the people at the front desk. And she's telling me about, about the, the, the bell. And then she tells me, Pete, she goes to the door. I'm sorry. 
She goes to the door like she's about to leave. She looks at me. She says, Pete, have a good day. And then she says, and be good at it. And you know, at that moment, I felt the, the, the peace of the Lord. I just got up. And she walked out. After, I mean, she's standing at the door. She says, have a good day and be good at it. She walks out the door and she walks and everything stops. The winds just stop. At that moment, I just got up and I said, you know, here's my card. Just, I'm going to pay for it. You see, and the angel, it represented several things. Because, see, the, the name Anara means the light. It wasn't the menorah. It, her name was Manara. And it means light, the light. The thing about the motorcycle, her riding the motorcycle, and the Lord showing me was that it was speaking about the ministry, the independent ministry. It was speaking about where we were going. And it was also speaking about, about going on a journey with the Lord. That he wants us to go on this journey together. I share that with you because the winds of heaven blew that day. They were blowing that day. <clears throat> and I heard this week the Lord say, the winds of heaven are blowing our direction now. He says it is an apostolic and prophetic that are merging together, that are preparing for the outpouring that's coming to this region. He says it's the lion and the eagle. See, we were, you know, we heard 2020 was vision. Yes, it's vision. And then we also heard that it's time to roar. There's a roaring that's coming forth. That's the lion. But that's why I'm calling this message today. <laughs> Forgot to leave my message. Spread your wings. It's time to soar. Because, see, we're coming out of the cave and we're going to the nest. We're coming out of the caves and we're going to the nest. No longer do we, will we function as victims, but then we will function as sons and daughters. Then we're going to go higher. It's the lion and the eagle. It's the apostolic and the prophetic, the emerging voices that our God is raising up in his time. It's a prophetic generation who are not afraid. It's those that will say, God, here I am, God. I don't know what it looks like. But God, here I am. It's the one that say, God, I want, I want to see your greater glory, God. Lord, we want, to, we want to spread our wings, God. We want to fly, God. Go to the, to the mountaintop, God. Where the elevation, where the winds are blowing. And the Lord says, oh. because when, you know, I remember when he gave me this thing about the, the winds that were blowing, he began to get, I, I had a vision and I was in, I was in Pennsylvania. 
And I was doing a meeting in Pennsylvania. And I remember I closed my eyes and I began to feel. And I began to feel the literal winds begin to press against me. And the Lord said, the four winds of heaven. The four winds of heaven are here. Hey. And the Lord began to show me something, and I want to share this with you. But he began to say, as, as the angels begin to move their wings from the north, the south, the east, and the west, there's a wind that comes. <clears throat> he said, these winds met at a center point. I want you to hear with your spirit what I'm saying. These winds meet at a center point. And the center point is a place where, where all the energy and all the power. Now, I'm speaking to you in the natural right now. So when I speak in the weather patterns, if you were to look at the weather patterns, when the, the winds begin to blow, they call these winds prevailing winds. And what these prevailing winds do as they move together and they meet at one point. And in this one point, that's where all the power resides. That's how the storms get brewed in the center point. See, the Lord says, my prevailing winds are now being birthed forth and there's a center point where they're meeting. And all authority and all power are being released right now to the bride. He says that is the emerging of the prophetic and the apostolic. He says that is the remnant rising. That is the new breed. The definition of the prevailing winds is having superior power or influence. It means to be victorious. Listen, the winds that are blowing... Those are the victorious ones. There's victory. You have victory. The winds are blowing. Mm. See, when these prevailing winds go, they begin to move in a certain direction. And when they, when they end up, they call these things the comfort zones. And that his comfort zones means this, an act of becoming one, to come in union, to be of the same vision. You see, when the four winds of heaven come together, the earth has no choice but to respond to what heaven is already declaring. Heaven is declaring over us today. And earth has no choice but to respond to the voice of God. That even the winds in the natural begin to shift. Matthew 24, 31 says this. And I will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world. From the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When the branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you will know that summer is near 
And in the same way, when you see all these things, you will know that his return is very near, right at the door. Hmm. The Lord said, there's many wings that have been wounded. And because of the wounded wings, he said, they have decided to stay in the nest. And they won't jump off the nest because of fear of the unknown. This morning, the Lord is going to heal hearts. I, I, I'm telling you, he's healing hearts. He's healing, he's healing restoration. He's releasing restoration. And he says it's time to the eat for the eagles to mount up. Can I get you all to stand this, this morning, please? If you can. This morning, I really believe that the Lord is, is just is wanting to awaken something in our spirit. There's an awakening that he's doing right now with us. He told me this morning, he says, discernment is key and it's essential this season. Listen, I'm going to say that again. Discernment is key and it's essential. We must pray into all things. Even the things that seem the most minimal, pray. Pray. Lord, am I supposed to do this? Pray. Lord, am I supposed to, this relationship? Pray. Lord, do I need to take this job? Pray. Lord, do I go to this church? Pray. Lord, do I buy this car? Pray. Pray in all things. Because the enemy is coming out to devour. He's a liar. And he will bring things to you that look like God, but it's not God. He will bring people to you that look like God, but it's not God. The Lord is saying, it's time for the eagles to mount up. You've been in the nest too long. You've been sitting in the nest too long. It's time to spread your wings. It's time to spread your wings.